Diamond Answerman Show, Season 3, Episode 1, a continuation of how to protect yourself from a $10,000 loss in five minutes. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Diamond Answer Man Show, where our goal is to help each other learn more about the world of diamonds and feel confident about those purchases. That's right. They memorialize our special moments. So if you bought something this holiday season, we hope that you've done good. Make sure you selected a great value, negotiated a fantastic deal. If you need to contact me, you may contact me at diamondanswerman.com. You may reach me by old school email at jchristophergertz at DiamondAnswerMan.com. Why, this almost just blew that one, didn't I? You may also find me at LinkedIn at J. Christopher Gertz on LinkedIn and at Twitter. You can find me there with that at symbol at D-A-M-J-C-G-R-I-T-Z. And tell you what, if you'd love to leave me an email message, one that I, one that I may be able to help you with, if you'd like to leave me an email, uh, just a voicemail message, you may leave that through my website, which is DiamondAnswerMan.com. You can leave it there, right there with your Believe it or not, your cell phone, or, or you can just click it, that link with your laptop or desktop computer, as long as you have a microphone attached to it, and you can send me a voicemail message, and you can also call me, believe it or not, 803-792-1326. Yes, that's uh, that little Google voice number that you can leave me a voicemail message there, but believe it or not, that SpeakPipe app does a much better job, makes a much, much clearer voicemail message. And uh, you leave me a, a question there or so, and I'll answer that for you. So go ahead and give me a, give me a shout out, and uh, I will help you no matter what your question may be. Jewelry-related, diamond-related, gold, any sort of precious metal, I can help you out there. But uh, today we're going to be talking about jewelry and diamonds. And some of the things that have been happening in the industry are, are kind of cool. You know, we've had some really, really large diamonds that have been being found recently. And it's, it's not common for this to happen. You know, we found some near to 100 carat diamonds out there and some really incredible blue, 29.6 blue diamond that was found in the Kulanan mine. You know, we were talking about just a couple of months ago, the auctions that are going on where people are receiving an increase in their assets and their values in larger diamonds they purchased. Now, that's not your and my world. Of course, we're looking at engagement ring size stones. And, uh, you know, some of these people are, are big investors and, and they've been able to sit on these diamonds that cost many, many millions of dollars at times. And, uh, you know, they can sit on them for a decade or so and then bring them back to market and see a realization of that asset go up much, much higher than what they originally paid for it. So those are kind of fun things. You know, I'm not really big in this uh, whole idea of, of creating a market where we can invest in diamonds themselves. There's so many variables that go into it. But when you've got something that's like a, a, a precious item, some, some, something like that, that's one out of 100 in the world in uh, such a characteristic, uh, either a high clarity, a high color, rare color and size, um, that makes for something much much more special, something museum quality that people can put their hands on. But anyway, so we we just came through the holiday season. And one of the things that, you know, uh, that did go on is there was heavy, heavy discounting with the, uh, with jewelers out there. So 
course, if you heard my last two shows, I talked about making sure you negotiate your best deal. And, uh, you know, the market was sort of soft on that trading end, going in from the uh, rough to polished dealers and then polished dealers to jewelers. It wasn't, it wasn't really um, as, as, as strong as they would have hoped for. And that, in turn, helped you get a much better deal. You know, there was a lot of trading still going on in those commercial qualities. And, uh, you know, one thing that surprised, I think, quite a few people was this new trend that is sort of reversing what's been going on for about 10 years. Well, this is 2014, much longer than that. Um, probably about almost 15 years uh, is this this desire for square stones. You know, these uh, the princesses and radiance and those kinds of stones have really become super popular uh, over the last decade, decade and a half, and really uh, displaced other shapes such as marquees and, and uh, pears and, and ovals, and really marquee. Marquee uh, really uh, uh, took the place as the alternative for a round. When somebody didn't want to buy a round stone, they were buying marquees. And this is really a sort of an 80s, late 80s proposition. And, uh, you know, so stores really. Uh, uh, focused on selling those fancy shapes because people were wanting something a little bit more special than just a standard round. Now, you know, um, one of the things that that I'm very big about is performance. And, uh, you know, I want to make sure that you buy a diamond that, uh, excitingly so, um, is brilliant, scintillative, uh, you know, has all those characteristics that make a diamond beautiful, fiery, and, uh, you know, new terms would be contrasts in those, in those reflections or refractions. Um, the, all those things that go into really making a diamond beautiful and stand out across the room. So, uh, our eyes are drawn to it and we all should know that round diamonds, when polished to their highest degree, right, their highest degree of performance, will always outperform a fancy shape. And then again, fancy shapes are generally polished from rough that uh, cannot be made into a round. So there's all sorts of things that go on with the symmetries and those kinds of things. So a a well-made round will always outperform brilliant scintillation, fire, all those sorts of features that we look for in a diamond um, than any fancy shape yet that we've come up with. You know, that's probably because of the wonderful symmetry that goes on. So um, so what's going on right now is the fact that ovals and fancy shapes such as pears have had a strong, strong push now almost displacing what would be, you know, those princess cuts. So that's that's a surprise. And, uh, you know, cutters have been really uh, driving in other directions and even jewelry stores. So uh, we may see a surge maybe um, even more so uh, in the marquees. You know, we've seen the marquee come back um, in the, uh, the color stone shapes more in the recent years. And, uh, maybe we'll look to seeing them come back in the, uh, in the, in, in the diamonds themselves. You know, I sold a lot of diamonds in about, uh, it was probably about uh, 2006, 2007. And, uh, you know, I was trading in, in a lot of asset, uh, um, buying and selling uh, personal assets and uh, helping people liquidate uh, some of their personal assets. And Marquis was one of those one stones that, that really, really did not sell well in that secondary uh, market. You know, secondary retail purchases, uh, resold to individuals, and of course, almost never to, um, you know, your, your wholesale liquidators and your uh, dealers, of course, well, looking at those kinds of fancy shapes really, really 
didn't get a good realization or return uh, on on what that asset was. And so maybe we'll see a, a, a rebirth of what the opportunities would be in those sort of fancy shape stones for those people wanting to liquidate those assets. Uh, it, it seems like your fancy shapes are coming back around. You know, a lot of people inherited you know, some of these older stones from these earlier, uh, you know, time frames, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Anyway, um, so we're going to talk about uh, right now how to protect yourself from that 10000 loss in, in five minutes. This is a continuation of the show I put out just a little while ago. And, uh, you know, we talked about in the last show, you know, your prongs and your, and your prongs um, holding your main stone, which, you know, if you have issues with your prongs, you know, you're lacking a bearing or a seed or you have hooked prongs. Um, your incorrect prong angle, you know, all sorts of those things can exacerbate, uh, you know, a user's wear, uh, causing uh, negative, you know, issues essentially with the ring itself and, and the prongs uh, coming out or the prong uh, loosening and the stone coming out. And those are the big, big, big things that we want to protect ourselves against, you know, so upright prong angles and, and a, a sawed prong and or prongs maybe too thick. Um, you know, or prongs too thin at the back edge. So there's, there's really no meat to that metal to hold it in place. So if you've got a round uh, stone set in a standard prong setting, I urge you to listen to my last show. You know, I, I will, I will say that there was a couple of times I was off mic on that show and that's where you kind of, you know, you're talking into the mic and then all of a sudden you kind of moved your head to the side and it, and it kind of goes away. And so I apologize for that. Um, you know, I, I have no idea. I think I was just having too much fun when I was, when I was doing that show, that, that podcast, I, I I don't know. I think I was scooting around in my seat or something. Who knows? Um, but anyway, I will not go off mic this time around. So it should be about the same uh, level for your listening ear. Uh, I, I hope, (laughs) I hope to not do that again. Anyway, so this show, we're going to talk about channel settings and we're going to talk about channel settings because channel settings are still probably the most popular um, accent or side stone style of setting, um, you know, to, to accent your center stones. It also is a, a very popular way to set your center stone itself. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about these things round stones are your most common style of setting uh, in your channel. And then secondary to that would be baguettes and uh, baguettes. And I've even seen um, other shapes done in a channel setting. And there's been some designers that come up with some techniques to set fancy shapes in channel settings to some degree of success. You know, when we uh, manufacture or design a ring, we should always have in mind, you know, the the philosophy uh, to make sure that we not just make something really, really, really cool looking, but that we also make something really durable and uh, that it would have a longevity to it that, that would be a fine piece of jewelry that would be something we'd be able to wear, you know, uh, for not just maybe one generation, but maybe several generations. And uh, that doesn't mean that we won't have care that we would have to, you know, to do for the ring, you know, getting it cleaned and checked every, uh, you know, I would say at a minimum every six months. And of course, uh, prongs do wear down and, and channels can wear down and other styles of settings can wear down. So you'll, you might need to take it into a jeweler, jeweler so repairs can be done. 
But when you buy a ring the first time around, you want to make sure that it was manufactured or crafted uh, correctly. And, and we want to make sure you did that in your prong settings. You know, so uh, as we look at the channel style sets, if you look down at your hand right now and you have a channel set ring, there are certain things you want to look for. If you haven't picked up your ring yet, I want you to make sure you go into the store, you look at it under a microscope, you go ahead and twist the little radial dials on there, you bring it on up so you can see it about 10 power. If the jewelry store does not have a microscope, I'd urge you to go to a new jewelry store. And I would have urged you, of course, not to buy from that store. Because I really I really think anytime a store doesn't have standard st- standard tools that you can use to, uh, to, to look at, to prepare yourself, to protect yourself, to inform yourself, to make yourself an infor- you know, uh, a, a strong consumer that is uh, you know, helping you feel confident about these sorts of purchases. And anytime you have to start educating the person you're buying from or urging the person you're buying from, uh, I think that there's a problem. So I, w- I would encourage you never to buy from a store who doesn't have a microscope, that they're ready and willing to have you use. Uh, so anyway, so that being said, um, if you did buy something this holiday season, I also hope that uh, you used our affidavit of diamond buying agreement, which is available free on the website, which has some, you know, little 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 verbiage in there that uh, would help protect you uh, in the case that an item wasn't represented as the way it should be represented. And of course, this this sort of document is only it's only a tool. And it's really most useful on the first time around. You wouldn't want to go back and uh, do this after the fact. You'd want to make sure that you did it uh, before you made your purchase. Make sure they sign it. Make sure they make the statements about the color, the clarity, the carat weight, um, and and their uh, opinion on the ethic, uh, the na- the <laughs> the nature of how the diamond was mined. You know, ethically or not. Um, that it's natural in origin, you know, so it's not a, a synthetic or simulated stone, and uh, the fact that you should be able to take it to any laboratory, your laboratory of choice, and make sure that it grades out as uh, you have been represented. So that being said, same thing should be true even for your side stones. Make sure that anytime you buy a mounting piece of jewelry that has smaller stones in it, that you get the weight, uh, the total weight of all those stones. I would also urge you to make sure that you get the dimensions of those stones, especially if they made the ring. And even if they didn't make the ring, there are ways to get really, really good ideas on how to uh, measure those side stones and even get the depths. There's millimeter gauges out there. You should be able to get on top of and underneath the diamond uh, itself so you can document that either on a receipt Right, that's your legal document from when you leave the store. Your receipt should be fully detailed with all of those characteristics: your cut, your color, your clarity, your width, your dimensions, your count of stones. If there's a smaller millimeter up to a a grade a, a larger millimeter stone, the count of those stones, and uh, you know complete details. This will protect you in your purchases. And and of course, when you have a store that does all those things, you're dealing with a a, a very good store, somebody who wants to earn your business and somebody you would want to continue to do business with. So anyway, you've got your channel set ring. You're going to look at it under the microscope and we're a loop at a minimum minimum standard. If you can't get a microscope, I've already talked about that. And uh, you want to make sure that when you have your ring, you're looking at your channel. And, and some of the things are pretty simple to look at. 
Most rings have a straight channel. And when you have wedding sets, or even in the engagement with a match, matching band, most of them are straight. At times, you'll have sort of a wavy or curved pattern or it'll curve around, especially when we look at some of the older rings. But they're swirly. If we want to use a term like that, there's a swirl pattern to them. No matter what, we want to look at the channels, and the channel edges should be even in thickness. So if we're looking at a straight ring, just like an eternity band or, or even a, a ring that has the stones halfway around, the lines want to be straight. You know, So you want those lines straight. Even if the the stones grade from a smaller uh, diameter to a larger diameter, um, the channel needs to be straight. So even if it follows follows the pattern of the width of the stones, these need to be straight edges. And what I mean by that is there's no sort of um, uh, dimples in the metal to where it gets thinner and or thicker. It should be a nice even thickness of that channel wall all the way around. And uh, starting off with that, first observation that's done with the unaided eye and you can see that right away if you start having dimples or divots in the interior wall where your where your diamond is sitting um, and it goes thicker and thinner in that wall edge and not a design uh, issue then you have a, a problem in craftsmanship and that that tends to be um, an issue we're going to see under the microscope so when, when we when we see this nice clean style of setting when we go under the microscope we tend to see certain things that look like this so you're going to go ahead and go under the microscope and pull the ring up so you can see it and you can look at the grooves and how the stones are set and uh, you want to have a tweezer with you so you have a microscope and a tweezer and uh, you're going to look at it and and here's what you should see you should see nice individual notches where the stone's edge that's a little edge of the girdle right um, the girdle edge is in a notch and that notch is a singular notch. It's not a continuous groove going around the entire ring or for the length of where the stones are set. Each stone should be in, in, in an individual notch. And no more than 10 to 15% of the entire surface area of that stone should be covered under the metal. So, that, so you're talking about these little teeny weeny stones a 2.5 millimeter stone should have still 2.25% of its, sur- excuse me, 2.25 millimeters of its surface area showing, you know, so that, that you could carry that around that sort of percentage to all of the stones uh, in, in that ring. And if you don't, you're going to see that sort of wave that's going on, or maybe you have smaller and larger stones that were set incorrectly where they were supposed to be continuous but they dug the seats real deep in there and you have more of the stone that that's hidden because they didn't choose the right size of stones now why, why can this occur um it can occur maybe because you've brought them stones and they're trying to put them in a design that you've asked them to make the other way it can happen is because they want to save some money and uh, so they want to put something together that's that's not as clean and neat, but it wants to be perceived as being as nice. So um, I don't want to go too far in that direction just yet. But you want to look for nice, clean uh, a seating, you know, for those stones in 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 notches themselves. And you're going to take your tweezers, and you're going to take them, and you're going to put them on the outside of the edge. Those are the sides of the you know the round stones, most likely, that are not covered. And you're going to want to try to turn each stone just lightly. If you feel uncomfortable doing this, 
hopefully, if your jeweler has one, your jeweler can put one of the microscope cams on there and they can see, you can watch them try to turn the stones. When I used to do appraisals, that was one of the things I would look for on the take-in process because during the appraisal process, you want to note the quality and condition of the ring and you look at it under the microscope and we used to have this wonderful camera that would uh, go right on top of the microscope and I can I put it up on a flat screen on the wall and, and you can see the stone turning in there. And uh, that's where, of course, the stone has either A, come loose during wear and tear, come loose during sizing. Um, or it was never tightened in the first place. Now, if it wasn't tightened in the first place, maybe they cut the seat too uh, too uh, deep, you know, or they cut it. Um, uh, they had a continuous groove in there. You can't get the stone tight at all. Um, so you want to make sure that if your stone is loose, this might not be a big deal. Just make sure you have your jeweler tighten that stone. And if those walls are nice and, and continuous in thickness, there's individual notches for those stones. You know, one of the things that, um, that, uh, when you look for those notches, you want to make sure that there's no spacing in between the, uh, the, the crown side and the pavilion side on the stone. So there shouldn't be these large gaps. You know, we talked last time about prong setting and uh, hooked prongs and prongs, uh, you know, incorrect angles. You know, one common thing that you may see um, is that uh, that your the seating burrs that they would use um, are, are kind of almost the same angle that you would set a prong at, which is roughly 70 degrees. So you, the, the notch that you should uh, sort of dig out for that stone should be roughly 70, 70, not under 80. So 70 to 80, 80 degrees. Also 70, you know, probably more like 70, 75, 76, somewhere in there um, for the, for the stone to be set right. I'm using weird numbers here. It's really 70 degrees. Um, the ideal, you know, so, so make sure they're cutting the notch. So it's nice and tight on the edge of the, you know, the girdle on that outside edge of that stone. You also want to make sure that they're evenly spaced. You know, we talked about getting the tweezers in there, but if you can't get tweezers in there, even with little teeny weeny, there's these sort of needle nose sort of tweezers you might see, which Melly tweezers is, is one of the things. And they're really long and they're kind of really pinpointy on the edge. If you get standard tweezers, sometimes those are too thick to get in there. So Melly tweezers are ideal. And if you can't get your stone in there, you're also going to have issues with wear and tear. And uh, the stones themselves are too close together. You want to have some spacing in between each stone. And, uh, you know, but not, not, I should say not. It is a personal preference how far the designer wanted to space the stones apart. But if they're too far apart, it kind of looks funny a little bit. So I like to have them really close together, uh, but not so close that you can't get a melee tweezer in, in, in there at some angle to check the how tight the stones are. Um, but you definitely don't want them. And I would say it's absolutely considered an error in craftsmanship if the stones overlap. So if one stone is too close and, and the, the notch that was set for the stones, they're, um, they're overlapping one another. Or if you have that other problem, which is a, sort of a continuous groove around the outside of the channel, if it has that, um, you, you have a ring that just needs to be remade and, and, and there's no question about it, that continuous group, but they can fix, you know, notches that are at issue, uh, you know, have them look at that and make sure that they fix that because they can take that stone out, 
repair where that channel is and then re-notch it. Now, this, if this is a new ring, you know, ask for a new ring. This is your purchase. You, you spent 500 to 5,000 to however many dollars on this mounting, which could be in gold or it could be in platinum, even palladium today. Um, if this is the case, they, they have an error in craftsmanship, you know, point this out. And if they're a good store, they're going to want to fix it and, uh, and, and make sure it's right with you. Now, if they chose to sh- sell you junk, they chose to sell you junk. And if you paid for junk, yeah, you, you, sort of, you sort of got what you paid for. But you don't want to buy something that is going to have inherent problems with it. So make sure you point this out. Make sure you express that you just bought something new and, uh, and that it should be right the first time around, even if it doesn't use all the same kinds of qualities, right? So we're using maybe a lower carrot. Maybe we're losing, using a, a less rare type of diamond, but craftsmanship is craftsmanship and it should be made right the first time around. And I would not stand for, right? picking up something that was that was absolutely wrong from the get-go, which is going to cause losses and higher repair costs and those kinds of things at a later date. So you want to make sure you prepare yourself and protect yourself um, in these situations. So quality, quality, quality. Make sure you look at it under the microscope. The other thing you want to look for is um, make sure that there's a, a, a support underneath the stone, a bar or a ring or even part of the under sort of bearing on the bottom inside part of the stone where some manufacturers, it's one solid ring. They cut the channel walls and uh, down underneath the channel walls, there's a solid support area where they drilled holes, right? So the uh, point of the stone can go in there. The one thing I want to tell you about this is if they have these sort of rings or bars or the solid sort of uh, platform running along the inside bottom part of the ring, you want to make sure that your stones do not set or rest on this. So make sure when you're looking at this, they're not buried into that metal. And, 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 and on the opposite side, you don't want to make sure your channel walls aren't so tall that the stone is held up way off the inside you know, portion of the ring. Um, in, the, in the cases where they're set too far down in the metal, it's going to be super, super hard for you to keep those stones clean without taking it into the store. It's, I'm going to tell you, and I talked about this with fancy-shaped stones like uh, trillions, um, talk about channel set rings that are really hard to clean. Are the channel set rings you cannot get anywhere in and around or underneath those round stones or for that matter baguettes or otherwise um, to clean them when they when they've got so much metal up underneath or no access to those stones you're going to get junk in there lotion and otherwise and they're going to look horrible and what you bought this ring for was you know to make sure it looks sparkly and shiny and and uh, brilliant and scintillative and all those really really cool things that we want in a stone and in our rings to be beautiful. And we want to be able to look at it and enjoy it, right? Or if we're the gift giver, we want uh, our bride-to-be or our wife or our girlfriend, whatever, you know, whomever it may be, they, we want them to enjoy it. And when the rings get really dirty, it just, it just it doesn't do what we wanted it to do 
and the design itself is what caused the problem. The jeweler should be willing to fix that. And uh, remember, you gave them your hard-earned money. They should be willing to make it right. And of course, if it was not crafted to a standard that uh, you know, you know, that we should be held to. You know, Jewelers of America has great standards for their uh, master uh, jeweler program. And, uh, you know, there's lots of guidelines. There's even flip charts one can buy to make sure that they craft their items correctly. And, uh, you know, there's, you can go further and get, uh, certifications and those kinds of things, but not everybody is there yet. And, uh, but we should be crafting things to a certain standard that help us enjoy this, um, the, enjoy what we've purchased. That's all I'm trying to say. So make sure that the stones aren't buried in there and make sure they're not up too tall. If they're up too tall, the channel walls won't have that strength. So the integrity won't be there um, for that stone to stay tight. And if they're tight, excuse me, if they're loose, um, they uh, can come out, they can, they can move, they can sort of jostle back and forth. And if they're too close, they can knock one another, they can chip, they can abrade. The same thing can be true, of course, if the uh, channel walls are too thin or the metal along the top of the stone is too thin. So also make sure that your tables, right, that's the flat facet on the top of the stone, is the same height as your channel wall. And uh, so that every stone is set evenly. So remember, we'll go back and let's say they used your stones and you had some slight variations in the proportions of your stones. They should cut those individual notches at different heights in the wall. So everything looks the same from that top view and, uh, and everything is actually set at the same height. So your tables would be at the same height of that channel wall. And uh, so they, 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 would, they would match the stones to your mounting. Um, if you're at different heights or they're tipped or turned, you'll get different degrees of sparkle, different degrees of scintillation. Um, make sure that, uh, that, that that does not happen. Um, so once you've looked at these things, if, you, if you're missing your bearings, you're missing, I use bearing, if you're, that's the notch in the wall. Um, if you're missing your bars for support holding the, the channel wall together or the little rings underneath to hold the channel wall together, or maybe it's a solid sort of platform running along the bottom of that channel, if it's, if it's open completely underneath, uh, I've seen this in some rings, most of it's coming in from overseas, that um, you have no support for that channel. And that channel is going to come apart. It's going to split. Your stones are going to come out. And uh, most importantly, when I've seen this, I've seen them where they have little rings along the top and your stones are set in there. And then, the, then it destroys the, uh, the, the look of the, the diamond because you can't clean the diamond that well. They still pull apart. So make sure you have a nice solid channel. Make sure it's, it's evenly uh, spaced uh, apart you know, to match the width of the diamonds. Make sure the channel wall itself is the same thickness. Make sure no more than 10 to 15% of the stone is covered. Um, you know, I, I, I only spoke briefly about that, but when you cover too little of the stone, um, of course, we have a safety issue. You're going to knock it or bump it. It's going to come loose. If, this, if, if it's buried too much in the metal, that poses a problem during the setting process. And uh, if the wall is too thick, you can actually break the stone um, as you set it. So uh, if you have an issue where they buried a stone in there, make sure you can, you look under that microscope, make sure it's not chipped, make sure that there, 
that there's no problems with any breakage on them as they set the stones. It is, it is common to happen, of course, um, when they really bury them in there. So make sure you protect yourselves from that. Channel setting is one of the most wonderful ways to display your Melly stones. And you, as long as make sure that you have a well-crafted ring, this style of setting will last you a very, very long time. Um, the other things you want to look for inside, you know, in, in your in your channel rings, uh, channel set stones, whether it's the uh, engagement ring or the or the band, um, could be another style. Maybe it was an anniversary band. Is sizing? You know, how how do how do we size these rings? Well, when they're continuous, um, without actually making a space where there were stones, uh, and now there's not because they've got a solid piece of metal in there or where they've even added a stone in there, you have to size the rings up or down um, minimally at a time because you got to go back and check those stones. You don't want to break the stones and you want to keep re-rounding the ring. That's a very difficult sizing process. It is costly uh, to do this because it's very intensive as far as um, how much labor goes into it. And, uh, you know, so you want to make sure that they do take care uh, while they size your ring. A lot of times with your channel style sets, it really is beneficial if they remake the ring, if there's a dramatic size difference. You know, if you have a size six as it is presented to your betrothed, you know, you're going to get give this to your... Uh, your fiance and she gets it and it's too, too big, you know, it could be too small. If it's too big, I've seen it happen where they, you know, they give, give a seven size ring. Guy makes a guess. It's a seven. Turns out she's a four. Um, that's a, a, a pretty dramatic size change. And uh, the other way it can be true is you, you give a, a size six and it turns out she's a, a 13, you know, you, you can have these dramatic changes in size. So what can you expect? You know, if they're going to size the ring, uh, it should be minimal in the change of size. You got to keep re-rounding the ring, keep re-rounding the ring, keep rounding the ring. You know, it is suggested you do about a quarter of a size at a time and go back and check and re-round the ring and then tighten the stones. Um, I'm going to suggest that rings be remade in their most ideal situation. That means just give the ring back as long as it hasn't been sized. And ask for one in a smaller or larger size. Now, if it's smaller and uh, it's going to have less stones, I would expect it to cost less unless they're custom making the smaller size. And if it's larger, of course, it's going to have more diamonds in it unless you're going to want to have a spacer in between the stones. So um, those are things you want to look at with with your channel settings. Those things, you're going to have to have it sized. I mean, that's, there's no question about it. And now, if you don't want to size it, you want to take up some of the space in that ring and leave it as it was gifted, you can put sizing beads and sizing bars and little little sort of U-shaped spacers that are in there. And those are can run you anywhere from $20 up to several hundred dollars if you use things like Superfits. And there's branded names for these kinds of adjustable shanks and those kinds of things that uh, can hold the ring together, most of which are very successful, some of which to a lesser degree than others. Other things you'll have to do with a channel set design is make sure as long as the quality and craftsmanship was there, um, at some point in the future, you'll have to have your stones cleaned and checked. And that, yeah, I would suggest you do that at a minimum every minimum every six months or so. But channel settings are very secure as long as the stones are set correctly. And you'll enjoy them for a long time. But those walls can sometimes wear down. 
Now, when the walls wear down, you can have those walls built back up and, uh, you know, continue to enjoy that for the next decade. You may also have two rings that rub up against one another. I would suggest if they're rubbing and they're continuously worn together, that you solder them together. And uh, the soldering will help protect both the engagement and any other ring, wedding band or, or, or anniversary band along the outsides. Make it make it one continuous ring. So make sure these are options you talk about with your jeweler. And uh, so let's go back over that. You don't want any wavy uh, ch- thickness in the channel wall. You want to make sure you have the correct support underneath, rings, bars, um, a solid foundation. Uh, but you want to make sure that those support areas aren't all the way underneath the stone. You also want to make sure that there's an individual notch for each stone. Now we're talking about rounds, individual notches. Uh, rounds are the most common, so individual notches for round stones. If it's a princess or, or baguette, it can be a continuous notch. Remember, you're dealing with a flat edge. There's no way to do individual notches, especially if the stones are butt right up next to each other. So no wavy channels in, you know, in the thickness, a nice, clean, straight line. And of course, it can follow the design if it's sort of a swirl design. And then, of course, uh, make sure it's finished and polished buffed if there's a, a finish on there a satin finish make sure it's all finished evenly you don't want to you won't don't want to see any tool marks from where they tightened the stone and uh, you know so look at all those things make sure you protect yourself make sure you don't see the stones with gaps make sure you don't see them where they're spinning make sure you don't see them where there's not enough metal you know i'll just throw this in there is really, really quick one thing i've seen where they set stones cheaply is where there's a very sort of small notch made for it. And then they use a knife or, or a tool to sort of flick over a little piece of metal. That is not true channel setting. If you have that in your ring, return your ring. Um, anyway, so that was, that was a little side note. That is, that's a problem waiting to occur. Anyway, if you've got any questions about this show, you may email me, right? Well, email me old school at, uh, jchristopher at diamondanswerman.com. I think I said earlier on in the show, jchristophergurritz, you know, you can, you can actually search for me on LinkedIn and Google Plus that way, but you email me that way. I'm not sure it'll go through. It probably will. Anyway, so it's jchristopher at diamondanswerman.com. Uh, you may also reach me at 803-792-1326. Leave me a voicemail message there. Also, on my website, you on that right-hand side, you can go ahead and click on that link for SpeakPipe. I think it'll actually pop up on you. It's one of those things that'll sort of sort of surprise you as it pops up. Please leave me a message. You can, uh, you can take that little link right there, and if you've got a microphone on your computer... Go ahead and send me a message there. I'll happily help you. And uh, you can do that 24 hours a day on either of those. And also 24 hours a day, you can email me. You can also follow me on Twitter, which is D-A-M-J-C-G-U-R-I-T-Z. There's links on my website to do that. So you can just click those links there on that right-hand side. And also follow me on Google+. Anyway, this is part two of how to protect yourself from a $10,000 loss in five minutes. And, uh, you know, in the next show, we're going to talk about some of the bead and bright set, maybe pave all together. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed this show. Again, if you've got any questions, please feel free to contact me. I do enjoy those questions. And those questions, of course, help everyone feel more confident about those purchases. And uh, we, of course, uh, look forward to talking next time. Thanks so much for listening to the show.